everybody, and welcome back to Sapphic Survival Guide, where we are happy to be queer to answer your questions. I'm Gina. And I'm Cheyenne. And class is now in session. We have a guest with us today. So Claire, can you please introduce yourself and tell everybody what you are all about? Hey, folks. I'm Clara Olshansky. Uh, my pronouns are they, them. I'm a comedian. I'm a writer. I'm a Libra. <laughs> Yay! I'm a Libra also. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about your queer journey just to get us started? Yeah. Um, How do you identify like queer or um, is there another word that you prefer? Queer, bisexual, but bisexual just kind of as a placeholder word to mean, you know, whatever people need that to mean. Mm, sure. You know, nowhere clean on the Kinsey scale. Also <laughs> non-binary. I don't really know what shape the scale would be. Right. That's fair. A lot of genders. Swirl. Been... Yeah. <laughs> Love that. I uh, was like a very late bloomer romantically sexually anyway. So a lot of those conversations, I never felt like I had a lot of access to. Mm-hmm. And by the point where I was engaging with those kinds of things, it was in a very like deliberate, intentional way. So rather than like having that clear open line of communication with my feelings, it was like, this is what I think I should be doing. So for a long time, I kind of thought I was a straight woman or acted like a straight woman. Most of my friends were queer. I was more comfortable around queer people, you know, and I flagged that. So I am like, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that I was a straight woman, but I was like, this is the closest we can get right now. Uh, throughout college, uh, the first couple of years, all the people who I'd had quote unquote girl crushes on in high school came out as bisexual or queer or some, you know, some version mm-hmm. of that. So I was like, okay, those might not have been girl crushes. Like I can interpret the data set, you know? Right. Uh, <laughs> And then I, you know, I was still having relationships with men or people who thought they were men at the time. Uh, and mm. it was like, still, I would go on dates with women and I wouldn't really feel it. Uh, and then I would go on dates with men and I would know exactly what I was supposed to be doing. And I would be like, okay, this I can do. Uh, and it was, was like a script. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Felt comfortable. Felt like nice. I am locking to play. Like felt a little like I was wearing a costume, a little like, yeah, fooled them. But like, <laughs> right. I at least kind of had a sense like a handle on what I was doing there Mm -hmm. after graduating still like trying to figure it out my relationships with men were not that fulfilling but like anytime I tried to do queer dating it just didn't quite feel right around that time one of my closest friends who's someone who like this friendship was based on both of us being like wow we have so much in common Mm -hmm. she came out as a woman um and that was around the first time that I was like oh like transness is not just for like other people like people like me can be trans Mm. (laughs) I don't like what possibilities that presents Uh Um, and then that kind of was like percolating for a little bit and I still like I was engaging with it a little but I was like I don't know I don't want to um Mm -hmm. and then I finally matched on tinder with a woman who I had had a crush on like two three years earlier when we'd worked at as counselors at the same summer camp Mm -hmm. and that was the first time I'd been on a date with a woman who I'd like organically had a crush on rather than just being like, here's someone to go on a date with. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, yep, I'm definitely queer. Also making out with her. I don't like being a girl making out with her. Mm. That helped sort of crystallize some of the gender stuff. And it was around, this was all around February, 2020. Uh, I even like at one point said to the coworkers at my internship, like I might be non-binary. And then the response Mm -hmm. was weird. So I was like, let's pack that back down. Oh, a joke hmm. at open mics like um I'm cis I think but I also think if I heard a character in a movie say some of the things I've said I'd turn to the person next to me and be like they're gonna come out as non-binary before the end of this movie 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so like, yeah, I was gonna say it was so wildly self-aware while also like walking right yeah. up to the line well, and still ignoring it. Yeah. yeah deeply committed mm-hmm. to being oblivious. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then the pandemic happened. I was living with my parents. I, you know, had a lot of time to think. I was journaling a lot and mm-hmm. my brother had moved out and all his clothes were in his room. Uh, this was, I just sort of started trying stuff on started trying to you know journaling a lot just like a lot just so much mm-hmm. um you know started feeling really uncomfortable with my hair being the way it was and so it was kind of over that time that I was like gee they and mm-hmm. then still while I was living with my parents but when my hair had been shorter for a little longer and I'd been wearing guys clothes for a little longer I was like they she out <laughs> I got like the shortest haircut I'd gotten yet changed it to they them and that's kind of been it since then it is interesting how many people kind of came into their queerness or really not even just that I feel like so many life-changing things like I know people who got divorced or I don't know just made these big life changes during the pandemic and it's not that I don't think all these queer people who had that transformative time to think wouldn't have gotten there otherwise but it's fun to see that acceleration process and how many people are on the other side of the pandemic being like, yep. So that needed to happen. And now here we are. I mean, not the pandemic, the, the self, you know, in introspectiveness is what I mean had to happen. And I think it could have happened a fair, a lot quicker and a lot less painfully if I'd been living in a different living situation in that time, Mm. like definitely that time away from to reflect needed to happen. The situations in the situation in which I was doing that, not ideal. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you had mentioned that at work, you mentioned being non-binary to your coworkers and they were kind of weird about it, which kind of pushed you back into the closet a little bit. Um, We had recently gotten a question about how to get people to take your non-binary pronouns seriously and use them the right way, especially coworkers. And I was wondering how the whole process of transitioning to new pronouns and everything worked after having had that weird experience with those coworkers. So I'm a terrible example because <laughs> I work a day job that's very much a day job. And mm-hmm. it is a day job where I don't know how much my politics align with all the politics of my coworkers. And so mm-hmm. I said, have not brought it up at work. No one has yeah. their oh. bios. I don't either. <laughs> so I. So do you get misgendered oh, regularly at work as a result? Oh, yeah, all the time. Mm-hmm. And you're. And it's, it's just because yeah. you want to keep that job. Yeah. Okay. I mean, what I needed to do, and it's a little painful every time it happens, but it's also a little nice to have a paycheck. Like yeah, right. it's, it's a means to an end at some point. So I, I yeah, can't hurt. You know, can't shame the hustle. Right. So, yeah. I feel like any advice that I gave would be like, don't give me advice on this. I know more about this. <laughs> no, but I think that's also like a v- very valid option. Like it's, if it seems n- not worth the trouble almost, and it's something that like withstanding the pain of being misgendered is maybe less than the pain of like trying to get these people to understand you and take you like, at some point, like you have to weigh the pros and cons of each of those things and do what's best for you. And a coworker slack me uh, and mm-hmm. say, "I love your gender jokes." So no, and then uh, continued to she hurt me. <laughs> okay, and you were like, "Okay, I'm gonna write this into my set." <laughs> yeah. Uh, so would you say that 
you kind of dabbled in your non-binary-ness, non-binary-ity, I don't, I don't know the <laughs> correct phrasing, but would you say that you were able to dabble in it by, you know, dressing differently, changing your appearance, and kind of, like, getting to know yourself on that deeper level with journaling? Because we had someone ask in the past, like, what's a good way to dabble? Is there a way to test it out? And I'm like, is it something that you can test out or you just kind of got to jump head first in to really know if it feels right for you? Absolutely test it out. I don't think you need to be like, this is who I am now and I am confident in it. You know, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, like a year and a half to go through that sort of she, they, they, she, they, them. And in that time, you know, trying on different clothes, seeing what, you know, going from like wearing slightly less feminine, but still women's clothes. And obviously not everyone, like in at least clothing wise, mm-hmm. my- transition narrative has been fairly clean cut but obviously it's not like that's always going from wearing one gender's clothes to the other gender's but all to say like yeah changes one thing that I did that I'm not presenting this as advice so much as an Mm -hmm. example of what this can look like is I like to draw and sometime around like July 2020 Mm -hmm. I sort of was repeatedly drawing little cartoons of myself saying I'm Clara, I use they, them pronouns. Mm -hmm. Just to sort of see what that looked like on the page and see how Mm -hmm. it made me feel to do that. Okay. Like imagining a self without having to inhabit it. Yeah, I like that though. I think that's a good um, exercise. And whether people draw or they want to like make a video of themselves saying that or even just say it in the mirror, I think that can be powerful in any form. So I think that's good advice and I like that yeah so does your comedy journey overlap with the queer journey or did you start doing comedy after coming out and like obviously jokes are going to be about yourself so I'm sure that comes into play but was comedy something that you dabbled in prior to coming out yeah so I'd start doing comedy maybe like six months ish before the pandemic okay Uh, so I was, you know, at open mics on the very occasional show, but it wasn't quite clicking. And part of that is just your first six months into comedy, you're not going to be very good at comedy. Mm-hmm. Part of that is like, I think it was clear to people watching me, like, this is someone who isn't quite sure who they are. So they're kind of giving us mixed messages. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. as I, uh, was like writing jokes, even though I couldn't do live performance throughout sort of quarantine those sort of gave me ways of articulating myself that were like reductive for sure but also kind of helpful and it was cool being able to come out of that period with like a clear and amusing narrative of this whole thing I'd just been through that's cool yeah like it's like therapy then you can get up anytime anything happens and make a joke of it now (laughs) therapy uh as long as nuance doesn't matter to you at all Right. Yeah. Well, we all use humor to cope or we wouldn't be here <laughs> right now. <laughs> so right. that uh, that applies to me as well. Since you had mentioned in your standup that you were kind of sending mixed messages to your audience, did you feel like you had to like shred some sort of closeted persona after coming out? Or do you feel like you had to unlearn like cishet quote-unquote ways of being and stereotypes and all of that about a year ago I was I was on the phone with someone from college who an ex who I hadn't been you know spoken to in like three four years 
-hmm. and they were like you know your voice sounds different and one Mm -hmm. thing that I did notice in that time period was like I would catch this sort of constant running critic that I never knew was there saying things like raise your voice you sound so grating Mm -hmm. like sound Mm -hmm. prettier yep so there was a little interesting it's like so much unconscious masking that we're doing and like yeah, trying to just like follow the mold. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, are you friends with the ex? Or are we getting back together? No. Nope. No, that was a very specific time in both of our lives. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know that we were the best for each other, but it was nice to talk and get it because that helped crystallize who each of us were at that time in our Lena. Right. Yeah. I know you said that you recently went through a breakup. We definitely don't have to ask you breakup questions if you don't want to, but we do have uh, an episode the week after this one comes out on like getting back out there after a breakup. Um, So I did pull some questions surrounding that topic if you're willing to answer some. Um, I would give the caveat that I'm not super out there. Like I am on dating apps. I have not gone on a date yet. Okay. the most informed perspective yeah how long was the relationship you were in about a year about a year okay and were you on dating apps and stuff before then or were you, did you just kind of like meet people the old-fashioned way that's on dating apps we met the old-fashioned way okay do you like have a preference for dating app like is there one that you're like you lean towards I think typically Hinge, right now I'm steering clear of Hinge because right now I can't offer anybody on Hinge what they're looking for. Mm, yeah. Um, I feel like Hinge no is promo. very much looking for something serious. Yeah. yeah. So if you're not like ready to get back out there for real, for real, not even back out there like to have fun, but like for something more than just casual. Yeah. yeah Hinge my, might not be the place. My bio right now is literally like uh, recently gone through a breakup, just looking to talk and laugh and kiss. Like I'm not trying to make uh-huh. anyone think that I'm available for anything that I'm not available for they don't want us to hurt each other yeah that's actually I had a question pulled that was kind of like that I want to start dating but I'm not fully over my ex and I don't want to do that to people any advice so I think you know getting to know people and having something like that in your bio and being very upfront about it from before they even start talking to you I think is the best way to approach that um and you said you haven't gone any dates or anything yet no do you think you'll have more of that conversation in person as well or are you like no talking about past relationships on dates like we're going I'm into this thing not fresh not about past relationships on dates what's the, mm-hmm. what's the point of going on dates if we don't both like learn more about ourselves and each other like, true that's true so, so obviously it's not like uh I don't I mean like I don't want to spend the whole time talking about my ex because that's not fun for anybody but mm-hmm. to like pretend it didn't happen it's like then why what are we what are we showing up here with right yeah that's sort of false versions of I'm very bad at being false I feel like I have to be false (laughs) for so long that now when I try to be false I'm like oh again yeah I think that's like a good outlook to have though and so many people are still in their people pleasing phases and you know trying to fit societal molds phases and it's just so much easier to be authentic to yourself and if people embrace that, good, they're meant to be in your life. If not, like, okay, bye. It's fine. Um, so I get that. 
Was there anything, I know this is kind of fresh for you, but is there anything at this point that you feel like you learned from this recent breakup or like about relationships or about yourself or anything like that, or even past relationships, if you can think of something? Well, before this relationship, I had only, it had been seven years since I'd been in a relationship. I'd been in two relationships in college and each of them ended at the like first semester endpoint. The first because the person graduated and the second Mm -hmm. because the end of our semester abroad. Okay. Mm -hmm. This was my first time being in a relationship that wasn't like, and here's what the endpoint is going to be. So I learned, I don't know that I had like a neat, like wrap it up in a bow. Like here's what I learned, but it was my first time engaging with that process of just sort of learning how to work someone else into your life. Mm -hmm. You know, having to make decisions that aren't just, but this is what I want to do. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely a struggle for me as well. So I get that. And it's an ongoing process, I think. Yeah. (laughs) What do you think is the best way to like approach a breakup? Like whether, and I'm not asking who did the breaking up, but is it best to like, do it in person to give them warning to, I mean, I've been like blindsided is a strong word, but I've definitely had a breakup. Like I didn't really see coming. So like, what do you think is the, I like the best way if you have to break up with somebody in a situation in which I ended a relationship and or situationship, I did not give sufficient warning, uh, and that, or like any warning, mm-hmm. but in like not changing the tone of my text right before it. And that's a real regret of mine. Uh, I think that that was kind of chicken shit of me. And I wish, like, I don't think a lot of warning, like, I don't think give somebody something to stew on. Right, right. Some indication that this is not going to be just, like, a fun, happy time with the person you feel really close to. Uh, Right. Yeah, that's true. It's like a, it's a very thin line between, you know, like, kind of, like, leading them on or, like, making them think everything's okay versus just ghosting them or suddenly, like talking to them like a coworker, basically. And it's like so hard to find that like sweet space of shit isn't sweet right now versus everything's fine. So yeah, right. that's so true. Yeah, I feel like my ex was definitely like, oh, everything's fine. And then I would every once in a while be like, oh, is there anything, you know, we need to talk about? Like, are you still happy? Here's like an open forum. And mm-hmm. like, she took that opportunity to be like, I'm actually not that happy. And I was like, okay let's talk about that but everything she said to me in that conversation was so like such a shock I was like I had no idea you felt this way at all and then we did kind of live in like a weird space for two weeks where it was like okay well that's all on the table so it's super uncomfortable now are we gonna Mm -hmm. break up are we not like and she didn't know and I'm just like I think maybe having like backed up a little bit prior to that conversation would have been nice but I don't know um, if she's listening because she does listen to the podcast. So like, yeah, if you're listening, I'm not holding it against you. This is that's just what happened. How do you wish she had backed up? Like what would backing up in a way that saves her rather than causes more hurt even look like? Yeah. So I think um, maybe not making any sort of plans, commitments. For example, we had two months prior to this conversation flown to the other side of the country to meet my family. And I'm like, so if you were going to break up with me, we wouldn't have gone to see my family two months ago. And Mm -hmm. you definitely knew two months ago that you didn't think this was going to last. Like it was Mm -hmm. definitely like she knew and 
Um, she even was at the point like, well, I really wanted to go and like meet your family because I wanted to like see where you grew up. And I'm like, no, but that wasn't fair because I like invited mm-hmm. you in. To me, it wasn't just like a field trip so that you could see, you know, so that's where I'm like, maybe don't make those kinds of plans and like mm-hmm. maybe don't make long term commitments. The only indicator I did have was that we did start to experience some bed death, but even that was aimed with a lot of reassurance that maybe don't give me that reassurance. So I think like it could have been less signs of things going in the correct direction and more, Mm. maybe no signs or signs of it going the opposite way. Okay. But not everybody makes no breakup with somebody two months after they (laughs) meet meet the parents. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's fair. Um, not to laugh at your pain, but I'm just like laughing at. Like, no, it's funny now. Be. It's okay. Yeah. Enough time has passed. This was like five years ago. It's funny yeah. now. <laughs> um, are you still friends with your ex, or are you or not? any exes? Yeah, or any. So there's the bad ex. Mm-hmm. There's the ex who is a boy, mm-hmm. um, and I would love to be friends with him, but he's a boy, so it's just like we don't. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously I know that that's not true there are so many great boys but in this mm-hmm. case it's real like you know how some boys it's like yeah if we're dating we're dating and then if we're not dating what are we doing here mm-hmm. sure yeah he's fantastic yeah. I'm a big fan uh <laughs> and then there's the most recent acts where it's too soon to say okay. uh, I do have friends who I've like met on dating apps and like it didn't mm-hmm. work out in that way but we were able to transition into something else yeah. Do you have any good advice for dealing with the pain of a breakup? Is your advice to journal? Since I know you like to journal a lot um, during I quarantine. I myself to journal because I should be doing that more. Every time right. I, so helpful, but I'm scared because I don't want to know what I'm feeling. That stuff hurts. Right? Yeah. My advice is also just to feel it. It's like, I know Pat, advi- like unsurprising advice. But like, I feel like all the worst stuff happens in all the worst stuff that happens in a breakup happens when people are trying not to feel the pain. Mm, that's true. That's too, too true. Okay. Let me see if we can uh, pivot to something more positive so that, you know, your whole interview isn't just about <laughs> breaking up. So I know that you kind of identify as bisexual, kind of identify as queer, we have gotten some questions in the past about like bisexual versus pansexual versus queer. And why is it hard for you to choose one of those? Or is it just like none of those necessarily align with you? Does it just feel better to have the option be open? Just I'll give joke yeah. that I do first, just so that okay. there's like a clear, concise version before mm-hmm. I like tangle with the weeds of it. Okay. Um, but um I identify as bisexual because I'm interested in all genders, but different ways, genders in different ways. Like, for example, I like women who are like really cool and men who are there. Um, so the, <laughs> what I'm saying there is just like, I use bisexual because I feel like the, you know, most descriptions of pansexual I hear are like, I love the person, not the gender, mm-hmm. whereas gender plays a big role in my attraction to people. But I also use queer because it encompasses more of it. And it's like, not like when I say bisexual, people can read my mind and know exactly what I mean by that. So queer mm-hmm. feels more fun than the fact of like, yeah, none of us know what we're doing here. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's all improv. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love that. I love that though, that because I feel like that could be applied to so many people in different contexts of like, <laughs> I like certain people who are just there, like 
that's I think that's so funny and it's yeah such a good spectrum of things too yes so was there anything about queer life that was kind of unexpected for you or that came as a surprise I think this might not be like exactly an answer to the question but I think it was kind of unexpected to me how much of a relief it was just to stop undermining myself like once I actually like even when I was kind of out as non-binary I still wasn't quite claiming the trans label because I was worried that I would be like taking away from the real trans people and that didn't change until I realized trans friends of mine like feeling more hurt that I wouldn't use the label than they would if I just claimed it and things Mm -hmm. like that like identifying as queer before that it just I felt like I didn't have enough like credits and Mm -hmm. it's just it was such even after even when I still didn't have a lot of experience it just made it feel so much better just to not be weird about it right just Mm -hmm. be like yeah this is who I am and I don't need to like back that up I don't need credentials yeah yeah we had just talked a lot in a coming out um 2.0 sort of episode about some people feeling especially in the bisexual realm where people say you're not this enough you're not that enough and not having the ability to just see things as more open and fluid and letting people kind of fall wherever they may and I think it does kind of start from coming from within of not letting yourself get caught up in that narrative as well before you can like reject it outwardly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you haven't done the unlearning, it shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. I hear that. <laughs> yeah. Um, do, was there anything that you would say is unique about your queer experience? And like it- this question is knowing that none of our experiences are unique, just yeah. uh, FYI. <laughs> the beauty and horror of none of us being alone uh I think it's a little unusual that I am more secure in my gender identity than my sexuality identity like Mm -hmm. I have I feel like I have a clearer sense of what's going on with my gender than what's going on with the factors that affect me being attracted or not attracted to people there's definitely some ace stuff in there but we're not going to get into that yet (laughs) that's where I feel like the typical timeline is like queer journey then gender journey but it's not linear like that for anybody I think it's just more comfortable once you figured out one thing to kind of like advance in a way but Mm -hmm. sometimes something some paths are clearer than others so I think that's kind of cool that there's a good solid footing in like your gender journey and you're like the rest of the stuff I'm I'm, I'm getting to that (laughs) yeah you sound intimidated by it which I want to like poke at but I also don't want to like Go too far, but is it like that you're just not sure what person you want to end up with, like ultimately, or is like it almost feels like there's like a demisexual aspect in a way because it feels very specific to the kind of people you're attracted to? Yeah, there's definitely a demisexual aspect. There's an aspect where I sort of broke my sexuality, where because I was kind of a late bloomer in combination with whatever kind of ace stuff was going on, I kind of forced myself to develop into a sexuality that didn't happen organically. So kind of Mm. getting into adult content here, but I kind of like forced masturbation before I had any real desire for it. And so the only stuff that could get me anywhere was very like shame soaked erotica. Mm, Um, Interesting. So I kind of like forced my uh, sexuality to grow into shapes that weren't natural to it. And undoing that is difficult and complicated. Mm. Yeah. 
in your relationships, then do you have to do a lot of boundary setting in like the sexual setting or like, what do those conversations look like? Yeah. I don't have like a lot of casual sex, so I don't have a lot of experiences with it. Um, and it definitely like coming into my most recent relationship, I was sort of just starting to come to turn, like realize like that'll when I did have casual sex and wasn't doing that, it's like, maybe I shouldn't be crying afterwards every time. And not mm-hmm. in the like, this was so beautiful crying. Mm-hmm. Right. The, like this made me feel estranged from my body crying. Yeah. So it'll, you know, it, I've yet to learn what those conversations will look like with different people versus just sort of the one person who I've been yeah. with them have been grappling with this. Yeah. No, thank you for being vulnerable about that. I think it's such an interesting conversation because I also don't think we have enough education around sexuality and sex education and masturbation and all this stuff. And so the more it gets talked about, I feel like it's good to shed a light on these kinds of experiences, mm-hmm. which is also a, I feel like a unique part of your journey as well. Yeah. Is there anything you wish you could go back and tell your younger self regarding your experiences? Anything you would tell young queer people or people newly coming to terms with their queer identities? I guess I'd tell my younger self, maybe this is just what's top of mind because it's what we were just talking about, but like, don't force it. If you feel like something is different about you, rather than trying to find the quickest way to jerk that into some kind of normalcy, like sit with that, try to understand it, accept it. Like just because something's different doesn't mean that it's wrong. So, you know, be curious Mm -hmm. rather than judgmental. (laughs) Yeah. That's a a great thing to keep in mind. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything you would like to plug for our listeners anywhere they can find you? Anything like that? Follow me on all socials at Claire Olshansky. On Instagram, I post about upcoming shows. There, you know, there'll be some stuff coming up. Yeah. All right. So if you have any questions for us or future guests, you can give us a call at 724-209-8877. Uh, you could send us an email, sapphicsurvivalguide at gmail.com. We're also on all social media at sapphicsurvivalguide, except for X, formerly known as Twitter, which is just at sapphicsurvival. You could DM us any questions that you have there. We also have a Patreon if you would like access to any of our bonus content. That's Patreon patreon.com backslash sapphic survival guide and you can find me cheyenne at hot mess fan on pretty much any social media platform and you can find me anywhere online at the lee regina including my website thelieregina.com and with that class is now dismissed